Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 131 of Hooked on Sports here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasting streaming services. My name is John Flynn. Thank you so very much for listening in on this Monday. And boy, we have a lot to get into this week. So without any further ado, let's get started. We'll get into college football. We'll get into what is going to be an epic matchup in college basketball between UCLA and Gonzaga on Tuesday night. We'll we'll get into the Heisman conversation. We'll get into into other stuff, but I'll tell you what a wild week it was in college football over the weekend, right? So, I'm going to give you four games uh for uh, to uh, to get the juices flowing today. I'll, I'll talk about Steelers Chargers. I'll talk about the Cowboys and the Chiefs. I'll get into Packers Vikings. And I'll get into the Ravens and the Chicago Bears. So, how about that game last night? How about that second half between the Steelers and the Chargers? It, th- this was a game that had everything. And, and so many things in the fourth quarter. So, went, went against the Chargers way. And you would think... Given the recent history of the franchise, you you would say that this this what this is something that would only happen to the Chargers, right? They were up twenty seven to ten going into the fourth quarter. The St- the Steelers kick a field goal to make it a th- a fourteen point game. Uh, th- then then after offsetting penalties on a punt, the Chargers had to punt again. The Steelers blocked the punt. They they got the ball at the three yard line. Then, then the Chargers defense was called for a pass interference on a fourth and goal, and then, then the next play was was a touchdown, uh, and then to make it twenty seven to uh, make it twenty seven to twenty. That then Justin Herbert goes on a long run, at which sets up one of Austin Eckler's four touchdowns on the uh, on the night. To make it, uh, make it back to a 14-point game. Then the Steelers uh, go, go back and and score a touchdown. And then the, the next Chargers possession, Cam Hayward uh, t- tipped a pass and, and and was intercepted by the Steelers. Th- then a few plays later, the Steelers score a touchdown to make it a, a tie game. Th- then the Chargers, uh, with four minutes left, go for it on fourth and fourth and one inside their own forty-yard line. I like the decision at first because uh, because then the Chargers would go down the field and run out the clock um, at, at that point. But so th- they, but I don't know what Mike McCoy was thinking uh, on that play call. But but uh, but a, a run where they they didn't account for you know, for an edge rusher to to, to stop the run. It was mind-boggling. Then the Chargers' defense held firm and it forced them to settle for a field goal. Then the Chargers get the ball back with, uh, with two, with about less than three minutes left. And then, then a couple of plays later, bam! Justin Justin Herbert finds Mike Williams for a long touchdown pass to give the Chargers a 41-37 lead. And and then then the Chargers defense uh, made made the stop on fourth down to uh, to seal the victory. Let me say this: uh, th- there there is so much uh, that happened in the fourth quarter that 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 in typical in a typical Chargers fashion, if if this game was played last year, if this game was played 
in any year of the 2010s, the Chargers lose that game. They absolutely lose that football game, whether it was Phil Rivers at quarterback, whether it was Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, whether it was 2020 Justin Herbert at quarterback because uh, because Anthony Lynn was the head coach and, and he, he didn't know how to close games in the fourth quarter. So, But, but Brandon Staley uh, it, it, it represent, represented a significant culture change uh, for for the Chargers and, and Justin Herbert, uh, re, re, uh, wielding his team to victory in every single way possible, is absolutely self, self breathtaking. It is a breath of fresh air if you are a fan of the Chargers, right? But be, be, because because the the Chargers have always been known for losing, right? And 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 then then Justin Herbert uh, in amidst of an inferno. So by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have been playing uh, uh, one of the hottest teams in the league, so over- overcomes it by 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 be- being the antidote of their own me- uh, of their own problems, r- r- so, w- w- winning the game through through the air, three hundred and seventy plus yards passing, 90, 90 yards rushing. He had um, he threw for a couple of touchdowns, inclu- including one to my, uh, including the one to. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen was a significant part of the game, especially in the first half. And and look, the the, the Steelers had a hard time on defense uh, t- taking the Chargers off the field, especially in the first half, right? Because each of the, because all the drives in the first half were 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 long, calculated, methodical drives, so w- which lasted six minutes, and and the Chargers took advantage of it more than the, than the Steelers, they, and they they scored a touchdown. A couple of touchdowns early to um, when the Steelers had to set up for a field goal or or a fourth down or a fourth down stop, which I thought was a, was a bit, which is an overlooked part of that game because of the craziness of the fourth quarter. So, but but the Chargers defense uh, found ways to win football games, and I thought the Chargers offensive line. Well, when when you look at Rashawn Slater, when you look at Corey Lindsley, they they set up some key runs that 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 determined the course of the game, especially on that first scoring drive in the fourth quarter. So that that is a tremendous tre- tremendous game and a tremendous victory for the Chargers. So I guess and, and remember, I had the Chargers making the playoffs preseason. I didn't have Pittsburgh in um, as well and. I took the Chargers to win the game, and and I thought the Steelers were going to make it close because uh, because I thought the Steelers' defense was going to keep them in it for a, for a little bit. But but man, you you really need to think about about where the Steelers are right now. They 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 have a game against Cincinnati next week, which is which isn't going to be easy for Cincinnati though. I'll and I'll get into those picks on Wednesday, and, and then. And then they have a home game against Baltimore um, after that uh, in front of a national audience on CBS. So I I think this this was a game the Steelers needed to find a uh, find a way to hang on and win because when you look when you look at the Ravens won the Bengals beat the Raiders the Browns uh, won their game against Detroit. So all all of those things are going uh, were going against the Steelers' favor. And it was not a good, uh, not a good uh, twelve hours in the office if you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that that's the first game I wanted to get into. The second game, 
Chiefs Cowboys and and there there were things about about the Chiefs uh, that, that did concern some people early on, but I wasn't part of part of that and. And I, I I say this every week. I do not pick against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and and the Chiefs won, and their defense what was sensational once again. And all the all the concern pregame about time on Matthew was not even, was not even a concern at all. Frank Clark and Chris Jones were both game wreckers as as they were paid to be. I thought the linebackers were excellent. I never thought I would say this, but. I thought, but the linebackers made made some key stops on Ezekiel Elliott, especially in the second half, uh, to to prevent the Cowboys from scoring touchdowns. And 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 the the Cowboys' offense, which has been high powering, high flying the entire year, they they were they were shut down uh, by by a Chiefs defense that Steve, that Steve Spagnuolo brilliantly coached up, and 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 I think the Chiefs. Oh, 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 and even with even without the, the numbers uh, on on offense for the Chiefs, right? Because Mahomes' numbers weren't weren't eye opening, and I thought the, the the Dallas defense did everything they possibly could have with. So with with uh, Amari Cooper out due to COVID, and without Ceedee Lamb who exited the game due due to a concussion, that they, they did everything in their power to give the Cowboys a chance to win, but. So, but but now when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, they they play on on a short week against the against the Vegas Raiders. So the questions are: without Murray Cooper, without Ceedee Lamb, who do you trust on offense? Ezekiel Elliott isn't one hundred percent. Michael Gallup is only is only slowly coming around after after missing some time early in the season, and 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 so and Tyron Smith wasn't available because of an injury, and Lyle Collins has been called for a lot of illegal procedure penalties, and and so is Tony Pollard going to be though? Is it are they going to rely on on Dak Prescott and Tony Pollard to? Beat the Raiders on Thursday. On Thursday, I'll be fascinated with that. If the if the Cowboys had a stronger opponent on Thanksgiving Day, I would have considered picking against Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. But but I digress. But I I think the Cowboys have some things to figure out because they're in a stretch where where they play three games in twelve days. They've already lost the first game. And, and now, in in front of a national audience on Thanksgiving Day, I think uh, we're we're going to find out a lot about the Dallas Cowboys um, in, in terms of their depth and in terms uh, in terms of who who can step up when they play the Raiders on Thursday. So, I'll be fascinated uh, about about that game and uh, on Thursday. And then, how about I, I do want to touch on two more games. I want to touch on the Packers. And the Vikings, and uh, that that was a, that was the one o'clock game. I was able to see uh, on Fox from New York, and I thought that was a terrific game between. And this was everything I I expected from 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 these these two teams. That it, it, it's a divisional game. It was a game the Vikings needed to have if they wanted any chance of catching up to the Packers in the in the NFC North and making it somewhat competitive. And, and I think the Vikings uh, did a tremendous job uh, getting ready for this game, and and they they needed the services of Dalvin Cook uh, a lot, and Dalvin Cook has not been utilized properly throughout much of the season, but 
he, he, he had an important, a big game. He had a rushing touchdown. He had 86 yards rushing. He, uh, he had... Uh, twenty. Uh, he had twenty plus uh, touches. That was part of part of what the pregame uh, punt up was for uh, uh, for this game, and 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 I thought uh, they properly utilized AJ Dillon. Justin Jefferson had a terrific game. Eight catches, one hundred sixty nine yards, and two touchdowns. And he should have had a third if it wasn't if it wasn't for his knee being down at the one yard line on a fifty six yard catch and. And and I thought that they they did a great job exposing uh exposing Adrian Amos and Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes I don't think had a great game by any stretch of the imagination, and 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 that 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 tells you everything you need to know about about Justin Jefferson and his and his stock that continues to rise on a on a weekly basis. And 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 now you need to think about Justin Jefferson as one of the five best wide receivers in the National Football League. And and look, something that's that's not being considered by anybody is is Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins has been having a phenomenal year. He's he's thrown for 20 uh, for 2700 plus yards, 21 touchdowns, two interceptions, a passer rating of uh, uh, more than 68% and 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 he and he was a big reason why the Vikings were able to beat the Green Bay Packers on on Sunday. So as so, so, and also a great job by by the Vikings uh, defensive line to to uh, to make sure AJ Dillon wasn't wasn't effective in the rushing attack and and they they did a great they did a really good job honing in on him. And and I think that that's something significant for for the Minnesota Vikings going forward. Now I had, uh, I think the Vikings are going to be around uh, for for a while, and it's in a crowded NFC wild card race, which which is going to be fascinating. There are a lot of teams uh, that have a case in terms of making the playoffs in the NFC. So I I think the Vikings uh, made a huge statement on Sunday uh, in a division game against Aaron Rodgers and 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 look the the, the Vikings almost never win against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers yet yet the Vikings found a way to win despite Aaron Rodgers having another phenomenal vintage game 385 yards passing four touchdowns and and. and and he, and he was just uh, sensational uh, uh, on Sunday and uh, and making a big touchdown pass to Marquez Valdez Scanling with 2 minutes left i i thought the packers were going to win the game um after that touchdown because the vikings they've had problems all year long closing games and, and finding ways to win in the fourth quarter. That they and, and this wasn't this game was another candidate for, for that narrative when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. They were down. They they were up thirteen in the fourth quarter. The Packers of uh, score. It's uh, they were up thirteen in the second half. They score um, two. Uh, they, they, the Packers score a touchdown and then and then another touchdown to get the Packers the lead. Uh, that then Justin Jefferson scores a second touchdown of the game to make it. 31-24 with the two-point conversion run by Dalvin Cook, and and, and then th- then the touchdown to Valdez Scandling to, to tie the game, and then uh, Kirk Cousins uh, wielding his team to victory for for the Minnesota Vikings. So that that was uh, that was one of the biggest statement wins of any team in the National Football League on Sunday. 
And finally, the last game I wanted to touch on for the for the NFL segment is Ravens Bears. And look, Matt Nagy is it, it, and Matt Nagy can't coach his way out of a paper bag. When you lose to Todd freaking Huntley, and I, I believe his name is 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 um. Oh no! Excuse me. It's Tyler Huntley. But when you lose to Tyler Huntley, uh, you, you, you there are a lot of problems with with your franchise, and and it, and it and it really began. Uh, it starts with the head coaching, right? Because after Justin Fields gets gets knocked out of the game due to injury, the 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 the, the game I thought really opened up for the Ravens, and and, and the play calling was horrendous. Matt Nagy. Uh, th- this was this was the type of game, right? So where, where the Bears could show they they could actually be a well coached football team, and and, and they, they they basically gave it away. Uh, Tyler uh, Tyler Huntley wielded the Ravens to victory with the, with the last minute drive in the fourth quarter. After the bear after the Bears go up on a tremendous throw by. Andy Dalton to put put the Bears up by four. Th- th- then the Bears defense uh, c- couldn't hold up when it mattered the most. Well, it didn't. It, it didn't. Doesn't help that Khalil Mack was unavailable uh, because because of injury. But I digress. So Matt Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears. Uh, th- it, it, the Bears. They should have been fired last year. And and, and th- this game tells you everything you need to know ab- about about the blindness. Of the of the bears of uh, ownership and, and and executives because because let let let's take a look at this no, number one the the, the the bears needed a franchise quarterback and they got that with Justin Fields but the the, the fact that they they the only way they could get that was to trade up and give up their first and uh, first round pick to the Giants in, in that trade t- tells uh. It, it tells you a lot about about Ryan Pace and 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 how everybody knew how desperate the Chicago Bears were for for a franchise quarterback and and I, I thought Justin Fields was uh, was good and it, he played really well in that in that Monday night game in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago. So I think the um so you really need to uh, to uh, look into the crystal ball and and the only reason the only reason Matt Nagy has a job right now is because the Bears made the playoffs last year. The only reason Matt Nagy has a job is because the Chicago Bears made the playoffs in in 2020. And mind you, that was because of help in Week 17 last year when when they needed. Things to go in their direction, even though they were never going to beat the Packers in Week 17. So, um, and and I think the the um, uh, and that and and the Matt Nagy can't coach his way out of a paper bag. I think the Bears have um, needed to make the change last year if they knew they were going to get a franchise quarterback. So a terrible, terrible job by by the Bears. And by the way, great win by the Baltimore Ravens too. This was the type of game that that could have been a disaster when when it comes to the AFC playoff picture and when it comes to to the playoff discussions and in terms of the seeding and whether it's making the playoffs and winning the division if you're the Baltimore Ravens because the Ravens play the Browns next week and and then then they're in Pittsburgh. 
and and they also they still have another two games against Pittsburgh. They still have two games against Cleveland. I think they have another game against Cincinnati. So every single one of these games is going to have playoff implications. So so, so with with the Ravens at seven and three, and 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 they knowing that they have a a tough schedule the rest of the way. That they, they absolutely needed to win on Sunday. And so I give John Harbaugh a lot of credit for that. And the defense, I thought, uh, uh, played well and gave the Ravens a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. So, bag it, Matt Nagy. If, you, if, if I was the owner of the Chicago Bears, I would fire Matt Nagy right now. The holiday season is upon us, set to be full of incredible family and friend gatherings. But also, it's a time to get vaccinated against the flu and against COVID-19. Booster shots against COVID are now widely available to offer extra protection ahead of the holidays to more readily enjoy the holidays as we knew them how to celebrate before the pandemic. Additionally, the FDA just gave COVID vaccines for children ages 5 through 11 a green light so they can be fully vaccinated by Christmas. For more information about who is eligible and what vaccine children should get and where they are available, please go to vaccines.gov. You can go to the CDC website or call 1-800-232-0233 or text your zip code to 438829. So you can go to the vaccines.gov website. You can go to the CDC website. Call 1-800-232-0233 or text your zip code to 438829. Let's get vaxxed and enjoy the holiday season, folks. Okay, I want to give you some topics uh, to round out today's podcast. How about college football playoffs conversation? So the final weekend of the regular season is coming up across college football and there are eight teams remaining in the discussion for the four college football playoff spots. We have Georgia and Alabama from the SEC, Ohio State and Michigan from the Big Ten, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the Big 12. Then you've got Notre Dame and Cincinnati. So those are the eight teams remaining. So I would, I would rank these eight teams in this order. Georgia number one, Ohio State number two, Alabama number three, Cincinnati four, Michigan five, Notre Dame six, Oklahoma State seven, and then Oklahoma at number eight. So I want to begin with with some uh, some, to- or some things here. I think Ohio State proved themselves the last two weeks that they are a tour de force, and they absolutely positively pummeled a red hot Purdue team two weeks ago. And how about that amazing performance by the Buckeyes this past weekend against Michigan State? And that game was over before it even started. And in no universe was Michigan State going to win that football game on the road against the nation's best passing offense. And speaking of Michigan State, Mel Tucker gets a $95 million contract extension. I never uh, with, would, would do that under a, a short sample size. But back, back to the game on Saturday. C.J. Stroud absolutely dominated that game from start to finish. He completed 32 of 35 passes for 432 yards and 6 passing touchdowns. 
And Michigan State had no answers for that. And I said in real time, Ohio State minus 19 was the easiest pick of the whole week. And the Buckeyes have the best trio wide receivers in college and football in, in Chris Oliver, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jingba. And they all caught a touchdown and had 100 or more receiving yards. They were that impressive. And if you think I'm going to beat Michigan to finally get over the hump and beat Ohio State in the big game on Saturday, I, I, I suggest you think again. Ohio State is on another level compared to the rest of the Big Ten. Now, Wisconsin may pose some challenges in a potential Big Ten title game matchup because of Wisconsin's stingy defense, but I anticipate Ohio State to defeat the Wolverines by approximately 10 to 15 points on Saturday and knock Michigan out of the conversation, not only in the Big Ten, but in the college football playoff as well. And so in terms of the SEC, Everything is pretty much decided in terms of the division races. Georgia already clinched the, their berth in the SEC title game way back in uh, late October. Alabama secured the SEC West Division on Saturday when they defeated Arkansas. Um, it w and that game against Arkansas was an entertaining type of football game. And I thought Arkansas played really, really well. And I loved the fake field goal touchdown they ran in the second half to make it a one-possession game. But... When it comes to Bama, they'll smash Auburn without Bo Nix on Saturday and then play in an elimination game against Georgia to avoid that dreaded second loss. You know, if, if Alabama wins the SEC championship game against Georgia, the SEC is going to have two teams in, in, in the playoff and, and it's going to lock out somebody like Cincinnati or Oklahoma or, or like Cincinnati or Notre Dame or is there any anyone else of that nature it's going to be a show uh, that that game in Atlanta for the SEC title game in two weeks and I'll give you a pick next week on that game and so so that's the SEC the big 12 has two one loss teams in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and they'll be facing off this weekend in Bedlam now Oklahoma State shut down Texas Tech on the road uh, on Saturday while Oklahoma needed a last-minute interception to take down Iowa Iowa State on Saturday and look is Oklahoma State the better team I think their defense is stronger and, and they have been stout defensively all year and I don't trust Oklahoma's defense in a big spot here and Malcolm Rodriguez, their star linebacker, has been one of the best defensive players in the nation this year. And, I, and he was snubbed from being a Buckus Award nominee for best linebacker in the country. If Baylor could, uh, could hold Oklahoma to 14 points, I think the, the Oklahoma State can too. So I'll pick Oklahoma State to win by a touchdown over the Sooners and, and hand Oklahoma their their second loss. Now, how about Cincinnati and Notre Dame? Cincinnati finally earned some style points after take after dismantling a very good SMU squad. Forty-eight to fourteen was the final in that game, and they they were dominant from start to finish. And I think they're they're going to be number four in the in the rankings when, when they come at, when when they come out tomorrow night. So that that's a tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous victory. I thought they're they're a well coached team. And then how about Notre Dame? That Notre Dame's one loss is to Cincinnati. And some, but I think but Notre Dame has been playing really well, 
Uh, and they, they completely dismantled Georgia Tech on Saturday, 55 to nothing. It was 45 nothing at halftime. Um, but I'm going. But I, I, Notre Dame has been playing well. They have a. They've had a sneaky underrated schedule. They, they've played a, a solid Virginia team. That they, they played a decent North Carolina team. Uh, they've, so they've played. Uh, they, they played a decent Virginia Tech team. Uh, although the Virginia Tech, um, is a, a sack their head coach. I, I believe Justin Fuente. And and they and they beat a Wisconsin team uh, by by twenty eight points. So so Notre Dame has had a sneaky good schedule. Uh, uh, but but that but that one loss is going to sting for a little bit uh, for Notre Dame if, if it means between Cincinnati uh, between Cincinnati and Notre Dame for that final spot in the in the college football playoffs. So. So, so, but look, Notre, Notre Dame is going going to have their, their chances to get in. There are some ways Notre Dame can uh, can get in, but I think the most direct path for Notre Dame to uh, to uh, to win the college football playoff. I don't think it matters who wins the Ohio State Michigan game because the loser of that game is going to be a a two loss team and they won't be considered. So and they wouldn't even play in a conference championship game. Uh, they they would probably need Alabama to lose the the SEC championship game to Georgia, so so that would knock Alabama out. So they they also would need to make sure uh, that that the that the winner of Oklahoma State Oklahoma does not win the Big Twelve championship game, but because then they'll probably put a conference champion in with one loss over. A Notre Dame team with one loss, so so Sutton, but but Notre Dame is going to need to have some things go their way, and and, and I'm I'm sure that you you could look at the other teams and say if if we control our own destiny and if, if we win our if, win our conference championship games, we we would absolutely be in the discussion. But the the only one of those eight teams that doesn't control uh, uh, the, uh, their destiny when it comes to uh, making the playoff is Notre Dame. So, uh, so Notre Dame is going to need some scoreboard watching, uh, as well, and and well, and uh, with with that as well. So, uh, a lot, a lot to think about if you are a fan of the Fighting Irish. So now, how about the Heisman conversation? Right now, the conversation has dwindled all the way down to two players, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State and Bryce Young of Alabama, and both are making compelling Heisman statements, and, and they both they both were terrific over the weekend in their games. Bryce Young threw for a team record 559 yards and five touchdowns against Arkansas, while C.J. Stroud, of course, threw for six touchdowns against Michigan State on Saturday, so the race is going to come down to the wire, but Right now, I think the leader is Bryce Young. I think he's had the better year so far, and and, and since the loss to Texas A&M six weeks ago, he, he's not thrown a single interception. And, and and in the game against Arkansas, Bama needed every single one of those uh, one of those touchdowns to, to beat their SEC West rival. So right now, the leader in the clubhouse is is Bryce is Bryce Young, but it's going to come down to how their teams do in the next two weeks. Ohio State has Michigan and and presumably Wisconsin if they win the if 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 they beat Michigan, and then Bama's got Auburn and Georgia left on their schedule before before the playoff brackets are solidified. So. So it's, so it, it's going to come down to, to those last two weeks, and it's going to be a 
fascinating uh, discussion between those two for the but before the um, Heisman discussion and and finally I also uh, I want to uh, uh, talk some some other topics so college basketball I've never talked in great length uh, at all this season about college basketball but I'm so pumped to watch the final four rematch between UCLA and Gonzaga on Tuesday night. Both of these teams have championship caliber squads again this year, and it's going to ooze so much juice and fun when they meet tomorrow. I think UCLA is going to win the, win the game. Gonzaga is a young but talented squad that returns a star in Drew Timmy, who was dominant against a strong Texas team a week ago. But I think UCLA is going to be rewarded with uh, because because they return veteran leadership and they they st- they bring back Johnny uh, Johnny Druzang who had a great game against Villanova a couple weeks ago and they know how to win basketball games in tougher environments so I think UCLA is going to take down the Bulldogs on the road so I'm looking forward to that game. In terms of the NBA, the the Lakers are, are a team uh, that 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 is that has been treading water of late. And how about the game against the Pistons last night? LeBron James uh, was ejected for punching the the Pistons Isaiah Stewart in, in a game. And I, I don't think that that makes LeBron look great by any stretch of the imagination. And and, and the Lakers were, were probably going to win the game anyway because of Anthony Davis's compelling performance. So, um, uh, but you really need to, to think about, is LeBron James going to be, uh, is, is, did Father Time finally catch up to LeBron after many, many years of him be, being the focal point and, and, and the creme de la creme of the NBA? So, uh, so I'd be fascinated about that. How about the Golden State Warriors? They've been outstanding so, so far. They, they have the best record in the NBA, and, then, and they still don't have Klay Thompson back, so... And this, it, this is all a credit to Steph Curry. He, uh, he he's uh, having one of the best seasons of his, his best starts to a season of his career so far. He recently became the all-time leader and made three-point shots. So congratulations to him. And and, and then how about some other teams uh, of note? The Phoenix Suns that they 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 they're on a a long winning streak. How about the Chicago Bulls? They they took care of business against the Knicks last night. Demar Derozan ha- has been outstanding uh, in in his in, in his first in his first few games with with the Bulls. So good, congratulations! It's a great job by, by them, and and the Bulls are going to be a team to be reckoned with, of course, uh, throughout the course of the season because of the tremendous offseason that they've had. So, but the Knicks, they they, they have some issues uh, that uh, with Evan Fournier not not being uh, not being a part of his old self. Uh, Kevin Kemba Walker has not been great. Julius Randle has been inconsistent all year, so so but the the Knicks desperately need those three guys to just to, to step out to step up and contribute a lot more, or else there'll be more questions than answers surrounding the the New York Knicks. How about in in the National Hockey League, the Islanders open up UBS Arena on Saturday, but but. They they have COVID issues and and they're having trouble scoring goals. So this the the Islanders need need to get things going. But if if this weekend wasn't the the opening weekend of uh, of UBS Arena, those games probably would have been postponed. 
uh, so, uh, but, but the pressure to, to get the game, uh, get the games in to, um, to, to, for the stadium to open up on time. And I think Gary Bettman had a lot to do with this. That there are some Islanders fans that disagree, but the Islanders needed to open their, their new arena. This, this has been something 25 to 30 years in the making. Um, going back to the days of Charles Wong and, and his dedication to keeping the, the Islanders on Long Island, and now they have a stadium on Long Island because uh, because of where uh, Belmont Park is. It is just outside um, the city borders uh, in, in between uh, in in Nassau County. So. So, so it's a beautiful stadium. It's, it's, we just need the honors to start winning uh, in that arena. How about the Toronto Maple Leafs? They're off to a very strong start. But again, we'll have to see what type of Leafs team shows up in April and May that that, that, the, that the conversations about the Leafs will, will not end until they, they actually start winning playoff series and, and, and march toward a championship. And then how about the Rangers last night? Ryan Lindgren scores... With 0.4 seconds left in the game uh, to beat the Buffalo Sabres 5-4, and, and look, th- th- this this Rangers team is absolutely a playoff team. And Adam Fox has been out- outstanding, Mick is a Benajad, and and Artemi Panarin. They've all, they they have been outstanding. So so everything is coming up Rangers here. In terms of in in terms of New York, I had both the Islanders and the Rangers making the playoffs preseason. So, but I think this Rangers team has has a, has a special feel to it this year. Uh, so based on how they're winning games, the the, the type of style and the fight they're winning games. So, outstanding job by by the Rangers and Gerard Gallant for coaching up that this young and talented team. So. So uh, uh, that that that's to be uh, to be monitored as we uh, as we continue forth in the season, and a couple of notes in Major League Baseball that that the, everything is looking like there's going to be a lockout in Major League Baseball on December first. That there is not nothing uh, promising going on in terms of negotiations. Rob Manfred's comments uh, further suggested that 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 he would rather uh, that he would rather have the lockout now than than not have to have to risk losing games on the schedule to do that so this so most likely there's going the players are going to be locked out in in december so that that that's to be monitored and how about site as and how about seiya suzuki the the uh the the latest um of the japan a japanese player to be posted he, he is a tremendous hitting right fielder and i i think he would be a tremendous tremendous fit for the new york mets if they're not going to sign Michael Conforto. So I think the Mets need to be um, need to be on 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 the Suzuki kid. I I would I would think a team a, a you a team you know like the like the Atlanta Braves would 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 be would be someone that that I think Suzuki would be great in. The Marlins would would be a great fit for Suzuki. I don't know if the if the location would be great for that. And and look, uh, other teams could certainly certainly use him too. So uh, I would be uh, be interested to see how what the suit how many suitors there are going to be in the in the Seiya Suzuki sweepstakes. So that's going to do it for this edition of Hooked on Sports. I'll be back here on the podcast on Wednesday to to, uh, to make my picks and predictions for Thanksgiving weekend in terms of the NFL. 
So until then, so long, everybody, and I'll be back here on the podcast. Remember to like to share and subscribe to this podcast. This way, you'll never uh, you'll never miss out on a on a episode of this podcast. So so long, everybody.